Hi there, I'm Corey Huff, and this is the Abundant Artist Podcast, where we teach you how to sell your art. Andrew Tischler is an artist from Australia. He reached out to me several months ago to tell me about some of the things that he had done to find success in his career. This ended up being a longish podcast, but I wanted to leave most of it in there because we covered a lot of important aspects of being a financially and artistically successful painter. I hope you enjoyed this episode because I really enjoyed doing it. Here we go. Andrew Tischler, thanks so much for joining us today. Why don't you go ahead and say hi to everybody? Hello, everybody. Thanks, Corey, for having me. This is a, a real honor. Yeah, isn't it amazing? I'm, I'm in London. I'm from the U.S. You're in Australia. We're, we're recording a podcast. It's pretty cool stuff. The, the world we live in is just incredible. Uh, thanks to, to technology, I, I'm, I'm still blown away. Yeah. <laughs> So Andrew, uh, you and I have been corresponding a little bit back and forth over the last couple of months as we've tried to yeah. nail down our time to do this. And one of the things that that came up in our correspondence was your ideas of integrity, self-reliance, and quality. Why don't we yeah, just start I mean, there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, those I, when I when I was thinking about what I could possibly add to the conversation of how to be an artist, how to make this work as a business. I started thinking about the core values that really meant something to me, and th those are, you know, by no means in any particular order. They just seem to be the core principles, the core values that I I, I gravitate towards. Um, you know, my 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 guiding values uh, in in which I, I'm always thinking in terms of integrity, self reliance, quality, and a few others. Uh, but when I'm making major decisions within my career. Um, and, and I think that it's, it really does help to have some sort of framework behind you if you're going to uh, derive any kind of success from this. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that, of those three qualities, the thing that really sticks out to me is the idea of self-reliance. And, yeah. you know, tell me a little bit about that and what that means to you. Well... Uh, if I can go back just a little bit, self-reliance became very, very important to me. Um, you know, I, I started this as quite a young guy. I was 21, and I started doing this full-time. And I, I had no other work at that time, so it was just being an artist. I was fresh out of university. I had a fine arts degree. I was working jobs on and off. I had such a bad attitude when I was working for other people. Um, because I wanted to be doing my own thing. And I realized very quickly that if I didn't have any sort of discipline in place, and if I didn't have that self-reliance behind me, um, there, there, was, there was nothing else that I could rely on. It was up to me to either make this thing or, or, or you know, make it or break it, so to speak. So I learned very quickly that... Um, I, I had to rely on me, and I had to make those crucial decisions, and I, I needed to really get my butt into gear to, to make this work. You know, it's really interesting to, to hear you say all that and, and to sort of put all that on your own shoulders. Um, one of the So in January, we did a survey with the, the readers of the Abundant Artist blog and the listeners of the yeah. podcast, and we asked them, you know, what is the, the number one thing holding you back from success in your art business? And the, the most overwhelmingly uh, number one response was making the right connections in my art business. And, right. and I thought that was really interesting because, you know, there's this, this tension between the artist being alone in the studio, getting the work done, 
the business stops with stops and starts with you and you know you're the the prime mover in your business but then there's also this need to make connections and rely on other people so how how have you sort of balanced that in your career right oh i i see what you're saying there i yeah to me, making connections and connecting with other people is an absolute joy. And I, and I can see that when you frame it like, like the way you have just now, other people might be looking at this as, as almost a bit of a chore. Uh, how can I be everywhere at once? How can I, you know, do, you know, the, the necessary hours in the studio and at the same time juggle that with, with networking almost? Is that, am I, am I framing it correctly there, Corey? Yeah, I think so. The, the, whatever that yeah. question means to you, yeah. Well, to me, you know, there, there are so many different facets to this business of being an artist and, and being alone in the studio creating paintings, sculptures, music, uh, writing, whatever it is, it is only one thing. Um, equally as important for me is, is sharing it with the world, sharing it with uh, my, my clients, uh, my buyers. And I, I intensely enjoy that experience. Um, so... One of the things that comes across a lot is it, it, art is an inherently lonely business, right? Yes. The, you, you, you outlined the need for self-reliance, and, and that's true because nobody's going to sit in your studio with you and tell you what to do, right? Nobody's going to push you to get your stuff done. Yeah, I'm still looking for that person. I haven't found him yet. <laughs> but at the same time there is a need to make connections with people and to you know, not only with galleries and with collectors, but also just, you know, with other people so that people can be affected by your work. So how do you know, where, where does one stop and start for you? How do you balance the need for your own time with the need for connecting with others? Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I try not to get into the worry that's tied up with uh, what other people are going to do and when. I, I have an approach to my art and my career where I, I have an abundance of activity. I'm always doing all kinds of different uh, forms of art, pieces of art, and I'm doing lots of different things to be able to market that and share that with the world. So I'm not, I mean, for instance, if a client doesn't write me back or email me back, you know, I might be relying on that reply. But there are so many other irons in the fire that if they don't get back to me, if that one person doesn't get back to me, well, so what? I, I, I move on and I, I go somewhere else. That's, that's my way of balancing that factor. Um, you, you have to rely on yourself. And in, in saying that, the responsibility firmly lies with you. You, you, have, you are responsible to, to act and do as much as you can to not only you know, produce the best quality art that you can, but to market that in every way that you, you feel like you can, whether that is dealing with uh, clients directly, emailing as many people as you can, approaching potential businesses that might want to collect your work, or dealing with galleries. Um, you, you, you have to approach it from, from a very wide angle and do lots of things. And I think that would take the pressure off Relying. I mean, I, I remember the frustration of emailing people asking for an artist in residency, for instance, and not hearing back and not hearing back. And the weeks were rolling by. And I only really had that gig going at the time. 
uh, now, you know, there, there are commissions, there's a waiting list, uh, there's artist residencies happening uh, in the near future, there's art tours, I'm writing now much more than I ever have. So if one person doesn't get back to me, if I, I, I find that I'm not just relying on that one individual for one thing, if you understand what I mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you just outlined a handful of ways that you make a living from your art. Can, can you tell me, you know, what, what's the balance for you on working through galleries, uh, selling on yeah. your own, selling prints, all that kind of stuff? How does that work for you? Um, well, um, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I've got to be honest with you, Corey. I'm really still learning a heck of a lot about this business. You know, I, I, I'm really pleased that, that I, I've been successful. I'm really grateful for the success so far, but I feel that every day I approach this, I'm always learning something, and that balance is something that I'm working out. Um, and uh, so, so now, in terms of how I structure my business, my, my core business is selling original paintings. Um, I have not gone into the print market as yet. We're just about to launch limited edition prints of my work. I haven't found an appropriate way or an avenue in which I could do that. Um, so it's, it's just been about selling original work. And then over the last couple of years, I've been teaching workshops. And I, I completely, I fell into teaching by accident, by, by total accident. It was a fluke. I, I, was, I was an artist in Perth. I was becoming well-known in the local scene, uh, Perth, Western Australia. Um, and so there, there was this art society that had uh, uh, heard you know, about my work, and they said, look, would you be open to doing a demonstration? And I said, yeah, sure, why not? I've never really even thought about it before. I was terrified of public speaking. Um, I, I had no experience with that. And so I, I decided, look, I'll, I'll just jump in. I'll give that a go. And I absolutely loved it. I, I, I was shaking through the whole presentation, but I loved it. And I thought after that, I thought, hang on a second. I could start teaching workshops. People seemed to be picking up a lot from these techniques that I was showing them. And they were asking for workshops. And I thought, well, maybe I could put together a workshop. So I started teaching. And uh, that was actually, that was maybe four years ago. I said two years ago. It was about four years ago. And I've been teaching workshops on and off since. And just this year, I'm, I'm on Australian tour. Uh, so I'm, I'm teaching workshops in uh, Sydney, uh, Melbourne, um, uh, Tasmania, Adelaide, and go, heading back over to Perth again uh, to teach some more workshops. That's so, awesome. Quite busy. And then next year, it'll be New Zealand, and we're doing art tours. So that's yet another, another a, uh, avenue. Um, I, you know, and, and I find, I find the, the teaching side of things really, really interesting. And it's so interesting as well to hear other artists, other professional artists take on teaching. I hear so many people saying, oh, I, I need to teach workshops or I need to go and, and give lessons or private tuition or whatever because I need to make a bit of money. That is the worst reason that, that you could possibly come up with to do it. I think if you can't throw yourself into it 100% and love what you're doing, Find something that you love and do that. Um, so that really helps me when I'm teaching these workshops in, in imparting this information uh, because I'm all about giving my students as much information as I possibly can. And um, before I forget to mention it on that note, um, you know, the, the other thing that I hear a lot of artists say, and I, I just had this conversation with somebody the other day, 
somebody cautioning me saying, hey, look, when, you, when you're teaching these workshops, you've got to stop giving away so much information. You're going to make a bunch of, uh, a bunch of mini Andrew Tischlers, and they're all going to be copying you, and they're all going to be going out to the galleries. And before you know it, the town's going to be littered of people that are doing exactly what you're doing. And I thought, well, you know, nothing could be further from the truth. That's, that is not what I found in my experience at all. I think that if you give people the technical information, those skills, your secrets, what you've worked so hard to achieve and acquire in your own studio time, if you give that away, what you get back is tenfold. And, and I, I'm sure, as you found, uh, when you have to enunciate to somebody else, when you have to put it into words, um, your process and explain how you make art, suddenly it reframes your thinking. And you come up with new techniques, new skills. Uh, things come from a totally left field. And you just like, hang on, where did, where did I get that? Oh, I, you mean I can do this with color? Wow, I'm going to teach that. And then you get another skill and then another skill. And it, it really accelerates your own learning by helping others through their, their, their journey. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you've got a good mix of you're selling original pieces, you're teaching, you're doing these art tours, you're getting ready to release prints. I'm interested, and I know for a fact that, that listeners are going to be interested to know, how did you, at 21 years old, how did you manage to sell enough work to make a living? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, this is the question, isn't it? It's a numbers game. And I, I remember the moment I, I was working, I had a terrible job, um, and uh, it, was, it was one of those jobs where, you know, you, you kind of almost manual labor. It was a giant milk fridge the size of an aircraft hangar, and it was miserable cold work. And I was working, you know, for cash, and I was running a numbers game in my head thinking, you know, I, I want to make this work as, as a painter, as an artist. I need to get out of here. How much am I making per week? What are my base needs? What do I need to come up with every week? I was meeting my needs with this cash-in-hand job, but I thought, hang on a second. If I sold a painting a week, if I had an exhibition that had maybe 27 works in it, if I, if I was able to do this and, and convert these sales, I, I think I could go ahead and leave my job. But... It, there was a danger there, and um, you know, I, I've got a very, very close relationship with my father, who is a, uh, a sculptor, and he's a, he's a professional artist. So you could say I had the best training ever. Um, you know, having having somebody who went through it themselves be able to help me along with it. But also, the thing that I'm so grateful to my father for is I, I never got a handout in any way. It was just. Here's the tools, now you take it and run with it. And so what I decided to do at that age, it was actually before that, um, I was 19 years old and I was still working and I was in the, my second year of my university degree when I had my first exhibition. And then I really understood how to put on my own exhibition. Um, and and I, I, I caught the bug, so to speak, and I, I thought, yeah, this is how it works, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. So what I did is I, I started looking for the people that I thought might be the appropriate people to market my work to. You know, who, who are the people that I would love to start collecting my work and, and what sort of market base could I build on? 
And I chose an area, a suburb, very carefully, and I found a, uh, a public building that I, I rented. So I approached them, and I, I, I rented the space over a weekend. I checked the calendar, made sure there was no other major events in the area going on at that time that might conflict with my exhibition. You know, sometimes that can help your exhibition by getting people there, but I, I wanted a nice, clean window there to be able to operate with. And we went into this space and decked it out. I painted a, a large body of work. I had 27 paintings at that exhibition. I did every possible marketing strategy at that time that I thought could think of at that time. I didn't have any online stuff. So this is pre-website, pre-social media. This is 2002. And um, yeah, 2000, 2002. So I, I wrote a little editorial. I wrote my own editorial and contacted the community newspaper groups in, in the local area and said, take this article, here's some images, you can put your own byline on it, but if, I, if, if you just run this, I'd be really grateful and uh, you know, pick it up and, and, and go from there. And, and they, they did. They, they, they picked it up and a few of the newspapers ran it. So I, I had one marketing strategy there in the bag. Then I printed up a, a bunch of invitations and I delivered them all around this really affluent uh, suburb uh, by hand. I, I was the one out there beating the pavement, dropping these invitations into people, people's letterboxes. If they had a big enough house and I thought that the house would look good with some paintings on the wall, I went ahead and... Uh, put a letter, uh, an a, a invitation in their letterbox. And so, um, you know, then I, I had, a, I had a, a, a direct mailing list of friends and family, you know, your, your token guests who you know are going to show up no matter what and, and be there to support you. And on opening night for the first show, I, I, I had about 120 to 150 people there. And um, all of these things came about. And I, I, the other thing that I should mention as well I approached somebody that I felt um, at the time, and I'm so glad that I did, uh, would be really fantastic to open the show and say some nice things about the work and, uh, you know, and, and maybe they could invite some of their friends and colleagues. And uh, I, I selected this guy and I, I approached him with the hopes that he could do it. Um, he was the... Uh, Let's see, he was, he was a government minister, but he was the, the director of uh, the municipal organization in, in Perth and Western Australia. And it was kind of a, a big public job, a, a government job. And uh, this guy was in the media and, and quite important at the time. And he agreed to do it. So all of these factors all together wound up in a very successful opening night, and I had a sellout show for my first exhibition. The, the, <laughs> trick, the, the trick to that, though, the, the trick to that, and, and this is something that I see, and I, I do, when I do coaching with, uh, with clients one-on-one, -on -one and I, I'm very selective about who I work with, um, but when I'm talking to them, there, there's always this thing that, that I find going through these consultations. They want to be in a rush to get those prices up there right away. I, I would caution anybody just starting this thing, keep your prices low. Start slow. What does low start, mean to you? Low to me means, and there's a couple of different ways that you can find your price point, but low to me means that if it's if you were to go and work, now I realize it's different in the United States, but in, in, in Australia, 
Uh, and I'm originally from the U.S., but I, I remember nothing of the of the culture. But um, I, I grew up, for the most part, in Australia. In Australia, with working in the hospitality services industry, you're you're making about minimum wage. So at the time, you know, minimum wage was about ten to fifteen bucks. I would take the amount of hours that was tied up in any given painting and multiply that by what I would be making for minimum wage, and I would have a price. Now, sometimes that would be well above or well below what I felt I deserved or what I felt I could get, and so I could adjust from there, but I kept them pretty low. The biggest piece that I had on the wall was about 1.2 meters by, by about a meter. So 36 by 48 inches, maybe slightly, slightly bigger. Um, and that was on sale for, for 900 bucks. And, and at the time, I was blown away and nervous as heck, you know, thinking, oh, is this going to sell? That's awfully expensive. And some of my smaller paintings, maybe in the 12 by 16 range, were going for about 100 to $150. And um, I ended up at, at the end of that with a nice tidy sum. And, and I, I took my girlfriend at the time to New Zealand. We, we went on a trip and uh, I blew all my money. But I had the experience and, uh, and I was able to build on that. I want to, I mean, this is a really great story. And I, and I bet whoever's listening is just like furiously taking notes. But uh, one of the things that, that stuck out to me is you did a lot of prep work for getting people to that opening. Right, you sold out yeah. the opening, and you had a hundred, a hundred plus people there. Yes. How, how much time? Like, what was it? A month, or was it two months? How much? How many months was it leading up to your show? How much? How much? How much time? How much work did you do? Gosh, um, look, I, I should I should mention from the outset that if anybody's listening to this and you want to be an artist and you're not totally obsessive about this. If you're worried about the amount of time or, you know, concerned about uh, how long is this going to take, how often, you know, how, how much am I going to have to work at this, uh, quit now. <laughs> I, I, think, I think that, that and, and I, I, I say that with all due respect, I mean, there, there's a lot of artists out there with a heck of a lot of talent, but it takes your total dedication to this thing in order to make it work. So, and, and again, in coaching, when I'm coaching people one-on-one, I'm finding that that comes up uh, where, you know, gosh, that's a lot of work. Really? Do you, you put in all that effort? Yeah. I mean, this is all I do. And I think you have mm-hmm. to be obsessive about it. And mm-hmm. you know, you know, Corey, you know, from what you're doing, and I, I read your emails and I'm staying, you know, keeping up to date with what the abundant artist is doing. You work your butt off. <laughs> it looks like, you know, and there is so much content there. And, and you know what it takes. And, and, and I, I just see that that's a theme. It's a, it's a thread that's coming up now where people are like, they, they want the maximum return for the least amount of effort. And I, I just don't work that way. So in terms of, of putting together the work, let, let me start there. The, the show was about two or three months in the making. Um, but when I say two or three months, I mean, back then I was pretty slack, you know, I was a 19 year old kid. I didn't have my priorities right. And I was, I was studying full time at the time. So I'd say about 30 hours a week on painting. And then that was a course load of maybe, maybe 20 hours a week. It was, it was pretty lightweight course. Um, so, so that gave me about a 50 hour week, plenty of time for socializing, all that sort of thing. But then uh, with the, you know, strategizing 
again, you know, I, I'd love to take a hundred percent of the the credit for that, but I had two people that um, just helped me. My father, uh, you know, just was incredible. I mean, I, I I still remember my dad being on a painter's ladder up in the rafters, installing our own lighting system to illuminate the paintings. Uh, because the lighting in the gallery space was inadequate. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so he's up there helping me with it. My sister was helping me, you know, edit my press release after I wrote it. And and so I had people that, that were there supporting me uh, through that. But I'd say, you know, the, the extra work there over that three-month period in terms of organizing invitations, writing this, talking to these people, you know, and a lot of phone calls and, and handwritten letters because it wasn't much email. I was not tech savvy then at all. That probably would have represented about another 10 hours a week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so so, really so probably be fair to probably be fair to say altogether it took you about a hundred a hundred hours to put to put your show together. Yeah, why not? Let's go with that. I mean, mind you, we're going back a lot of years, Corey. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's that's a while ago. I, I just I remember at the time being so caught up in the experience and and just putting everything I had into it that the hours and days were just floating by. And my dad at the time asked me, he said, say, how many, uh, you keep in track of your hours? How many hours do you just put into that? And I'm like, I don't know. And he said, aren't you writing down how many hours you, you spend in the studio and, and doing all this stuff? I'm like, no. And he said, well, I suggest you, you get out a diary, you get out a, a, a journal, and you keep track of your hours. Um, if there's, by the way, and, and, and just one thing I want to throw in there, if there's one thing that has really helped me, it's having the, the right information at my fingertips about my track record and performance. Look, if we were in any other industry, if we were in any other business, you know, selling widgets and divots or whatever, you would be sure to be keeping track of your, your profit loss margins, your, your, your inventory, what stock goes where, how many hours Jim Bob on the factory floor has put in this week, and, and you know, all of these different aspects. But for art, for some reason, we feel like those things don't, don't apply to us. And one of the things that's really helped me is, is having that information. I, I now keep a diary religiously uh, in keeping track of my hours in, in terms of you know, what I put in on painting, what I put in on writing. You know, I, I, every, every week I write you know, multiple blog entries now, but also a, a newsletter that I send out to all my students giving away a uh, free, free newsletter giving away tips, tricks, and techniques called the Workshop Weekly, um, where, you know, th- there's a lot of hours that go into that. I just finished one just, just before picking up the call with you that was, uh, took me about six hours of work there. Um, so I need to keep track of these things and keep juggling these things to know, am I on target? Am I on track? Uh, is this painting, you know, I, I hate to boil it down to, to brass tacks here, but is this painting viable? Is this a smart painting to be doing? Sometimes I have the tendency to get bogged down in unnecessary detail. And a painting that really should take 40 hours ends up taking 120 hours. And then it, bu- it bumped the client. And, and mm-hmm. I, now I, I got to call my client and say, that February deadline, yeah, it's, gonna, it's looking more like May now. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I have to stay on top of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? That is the kind of stuff that they don't tell you in art school. Right, mm. like it's the kind of stuff that I think no, you you, you only uh, you only learn that stuff either by doing it or by being lucky enough to have somebody like your dad tell you, hey, you should be tracking your hours. 
um, oh, which is like uh, again, standard again, information so for any much. freelancer, but that information doesn't really get passed around from artist to artist. Not, not from artist to artist, and, and definitely I can relate to that in art school. I am still trying to work out what the hell I learned in art school. <laughs> I, I, I just, I cannot. And I'm not you go to art not school to, again? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, don't, I don't, don't want to. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to mention the name of the, the university, but, um, you know, people in Australia will know, you know, where I went to school. It's, I, I think it's more or less uh, public information. Uh, you know, I, I, I do talk about it in my classes and in my blog now and again. Um, I, I'm really grateful for my experience at, at university, and the facilities were fantastic. I got along with some of the staff members, you know, r really, really well. And I made a great social circle because, I mean, in, in high school, I was a little bit of a weird kid. I didn't have any friends, you know, because I was just always painting and drawing. I wanted to sit by myself during recess and lunchtime painting and drawing. And now when I went to art school, I found a bunch of other freaks just like me. So I thought, this is great, you know. So it was great from a lot of those points of view. But in terms of preparing you, in terms of university preparing you for the big wide world or feeling like you need some, so, some sort of qualification – to be an artist, nothing could be further from the truth. You, you do not need a qualification. You do not need a degree. You need sound quality work. You need a, a passion. You need discipline. And, and these core uh, values that I, I've been talking to you about here, integrity, self-reliance, uh, and quality, the quality of your work, as I mentioned, mm -hmm. very, very important. But th these, these principles, they just don't teach you in university and it's frustrating it was frustrating for me i know it's frustrating for a lot of people going through that experience right now andrew this is this is really awesome so okay so at the beginning of your career you put together this show i imagine you did you know you tried to do as many of those shows as possible as your business evolved and and the internet became bigger and a bigger and bigger part of your business i'm interested to know how things like blogging and email and social media changed your business Okay, um, they haven't. <laughs> so I, 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 what I'm doing right now is I'm starting to realize, and, and this really, I, I must thank you, Corey, uh, because the, what I'm starting to realize is that the online side of things is so important. But I don't really see online for me my, in my business as, as a... Uh, a marketing tool. I still have not sold a single painting through Facebook, social media, but what it's allowed me to do is organize my business better through platforms, through technologies. They're, they're business systems. So for instance, one of the things, the first thing that I picked up was uh, MailChimp, mm -hmm. which is just awesome. For anybody who's not doing a newsletter, Start sharing what you do, how you do it, what you love about it, some stories from the studio, your experiences in the field if you're an on-plane air painter, what materials you're using. Just talk about this. Talk about it with passion and start sharing that with you know, your potential students, readers, clients, buyers. And start building an email list of names right away. I, I can say that that was one of the most important things, is the most important thing to my business, is my list, my, my list of clients and faithful supporters. Um, so that was the first technology that I really embraced. And I, I loaded all of my email contacts in there. And I started with a pretty small list. Um, but I worked that list, I feel, pretty well because it was enough to keep me booked out, sold out. Um, for a, a long time. And uh, 
without giving away the number, it was under 100. <laughs> so it was not a lot of people. This idea that you need thousands of subscribers is just is, is a myth. I, I don't feel that's true. Yes, it's great to have. And if you can do it, good, good go for it. Absolutely. Develop that sucker. But uh, you, you certainly don't need it. I think through the quality of your work, the quality of the service that you provide in dealing with your clients, the, the quality of you know, your shared information through these newsletters and, and, and periodical you know, releases that you're, you're sending out, you know, that, that's enough to, to make this work. You, you don't need a huge list. So as I said, that, that was the technology that I, that I first embraced. And then it led to blogging because I realized after writing these newsletters, um, I wanted to start a newsletter that was just for my students. Um, and I was building a student database really rapidly. My workshops were starting to sell out. Uh, and, and I was just working just the Perth market. So, um, and, and have been to a large extent. And that, that is my primary market still, even though I'm in the state of Victoria, you know, calling you right now from Queensland. But I, I live in Victoria. The majority of my market is still in WA. So, you know, I, I started doing this, this uh, periodical, you know, workshop weekly newsletter where I was just giving away things. And then as I was giving away this information, at the end of every release would be a, a, little, a little plug or a little announcement. It wasn't blatant sales pitch or anything like that. It was just like, hey, I, I got this workshop coming up. If you want to know more about these techniques I'm talking about, you know, I'm happy to answer your questions at any time. You can send me an email. But if you want to come to a workshop this time, this place, this much money, come down. Love to see you there. And I was getting these things sold out left, right, and center. I, I just got back from Perth. I taught four workshops back to back. And they all sold out. And it's just, they're just from MailChimp. Uh, so that, that was a fantastic technology. I, I really can't uh, you know, speak highly enough about it. It was just wonderful. Um, now, you know, using a, a website built mainly through WordPress, I'm starting to upload blogs. And people can subscribe to the blog uh, via the website. And I, and I talk in there you know, so I, about the process and about different angles and aspects to, to my art. Um, it's angled slightly differently. So I imagine I, I, I'm tailoring these different releases, whether it's a Facebook post or a, or a newsletter or a blog, I'm tailoring that to somebody specifically because I, I have information about who is on that platform, who is visiting that site, what do they want to know. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to separate those things as much as possible. I am casting a pretty broad net with the, with the blog. Anybody that jumps onto the website can read it. Um, but it, it's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty varied there, the subject matter. But um, you know, with, with something like Facebook, with something like that social media platform, you know, again, I, I have never made a sale of an original painting through Facebook. I now, I, I have inquiries. I have maybe a few inquiries a month. It's nothing big. I mean, people will look at my Facebook page. I don't have a lot of likes. I, I don't really have a huge uh, following there yet. It, it, it is building. But I, when, when I tell people they inquire, they say, hey, I like this painting. I want to buy it. I tell them the price. I never hear back from them. So I'm not convinced that it's, it's, a, it's a model for me. What I see it as instead of a sales model is a connection model. It's a chance for me to share with other people and I have clients who have liked my Facebook page but 
they know me. They've got my personal contact information. They have my number, my email address. If they want a painting, they get in touch with me directly. If I have a painting, you know, moreover, if I have a painting that I feel is suited to them, I'll call them. I'll call them direct and say, hey, you know, Bob, whoever, yeah, uh, you really like the, the Bungle Bungles in the Kimberly. I've just finished this great big uh, painting. Um, I'm emailing it to you right now. Why don't you tell me what, what you think? Without putting a heavy sales pitch on them, uh, just, just as a matter of interest, I'm sending this to you. Man, I've sold a lot of work doing that. And, the, you know, the thing I find is that people always want to hear from the artist. And if there's one thing, other thing that I can do for any artist listening out there, don't hide behind the gallery. Make damn sure that gallery is providing a service for you. I think if there's any industry that has got this thing totally backwards, it's the art industry. And uh, one thing that we need to have clear as artists is galleries work for us. And they're either working for us or they're not. And you need to take the bull by the horns if the time has come that the gallery is not actually marketing your work in the way that you see fit. You, you've got to get out there and do it yourself. Yeah, you're going to be nervous when you first try it. I was. I was nervous as heck. Or maybe you're a little more extroverted than I am and, and, and you have an easier time with it. But I think that, that it, it does get easier the more you do it and you start to find that people just love to hear from you as the creator of this work and they want to share in that creativity and they want to hear about it. So that's been my experience. And as I said, I, I've managed to sell a lot of work and, and, and build on my client list and raise the prices. Well, Andrew, this is this is really good stuff. I think uh, those listening are going to be pretty excited about hearing about how the art business actually works from somebody who's making it work for themselves. Well, let me. Um, go, no offense to people who are trying to run a gallery out there, but uh, <laughs> I, I know a lot of gallery owners. I like a lot of gallery owners. Some of them are my friends. I do work closely with somebody, but I, I, I don't consider him a gallery owner as such. He's, he's, he's acted as an agent for me over the last uh, few years, and I've been able, you know, by and large, you know, I, I, I have been able to uh, call the shots um, and say, hey, I want to do here, I want to go here, I want to I move in this direction, can you call this person, can we set up this meeting? So I was able to do more than just hang the painting on the wall and hope for the best. But I think galleries have got this, um, this model that is quickly becoming a thing of the past. I call it the lemonade stand. And, and I, I never forget, I was really into Calvin and Hobbes as a, as a kid. And um, I identified with Calvin a lot. And I'll never forget that this, this image of Calvin with a cardboard box turned upside down on the sidewalk with lemonade, five cents. And he's got his jug of lemonade there. And he's got the glass in his, you know, they're waiting. And he's, it's a hot day and he's waiting for passersby to come along. And galleries to me are a lot like that lemonade stand. You're limited in a couple of ways. The first way is, you know, you're, you're going to sell work through this gallery. You're limited by whoever happens to be walking past that gallery at the time. Whoever walks in and sees this stuff, maybe they didn't know about the gallery, but they walk in and they're like, oh, this is nice. And maybe they buy something, maybe they don't, maybe they go back and tell their friends about it. The second way that you're limited, you know, in terms of an artist working through a gallery is you're limited by who is on that gallery's database. 
And one of the things that the gallery has to do is it has to maintain that middle ground. They are not going to give you the names. If they did, if they did, I, I would be shocked. And this is part of the reason why I work directly with the guy that I have been working with in Perth all these years is because he gives me the names. He says, so-and-so wants a painting, here's their number, give them a call and work out exactly what's going on. So what I do, the way I look at that relationship is, and it's the only person I've ever found that was able, I was able to work with like that, um, that what, what happened was um, I, I, from the get-go, was able to, to call the shots and say, look, this is the way I want my business to work. Do you agree or don't you? And yes, he did, absolutely. And um, it, it works on trust. The, the way I've set this up is the gallery really is a system. It's a business system in which artists should be able to delegate particular tasks to, but never rob themselves of accountability and responsibility. We have the tendency to do that as artists and say, here, gallery, you take it from here. And they never do right by us. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but uh, my experience, uh, I've I found that galleries rarely do right by the artist. Uh, they're not in the business of, of helping artists and uh, certainly not training them in business. Um, so what I've found now is that it's far better for me to carry on working on my own and representing myself. And now I have a policy, no galleries, no galleries whatsoever. And... I've, I've managed to maintain my prices and keep my prices way up there, and I'm continuing to sell work. Um, I just got one of my largest commissions to date, and that was through a direct sale. They called me. I'm working directly with them. And so um, it's really important that we, we have that firmly in place um, before we, we set out thinking that somehow working with a particular gallery, no matter how prestigious they are, somehow this gallery is going to rescue us. Take responsibility for yourself from the outset and work this business on your own. Um, on that note, I, I should mention as well, studying business, reading about businesses other than art uh, will help you enormously. Um, th there's actually there's a couple of guys that, that I, I really uh, benefit from. And if you don't mind, Corey, I'd just like to mention a couple of names. Yeah, I was going to ask you who um, you your favorite resources are. You know... Without, uh, you know, my, my favorite of, of all time in terms of the mindset, in terms of uh, building the philosophies in order to make this work, the, the personal strength, the perseverance, uh, the self-reliance, you know, the, the integrity, the guiding principles, you know, and also, you know, th those golden nuggets of business advice, without a shadow of a doubt, Tony Robbins. Now, a lot of people are going to be rolling their eyes right now going, oh, God, that guy, really? Guys, come on, get over it. Tony Robbins, by far, is one of the best people I've ever come across to just build a fire under you and get you to get on with it. But it's not about positivity. You can, you can be positive all you want. You can wish for, for sunny days all you want. Guess what? It's going to rain. And what I found Tony Robbins did for me was to prepare me for those rainy days. I was able to build strategies. Um, you know, and of course, my, my number one hero, I should mention, and not just because he's sitting in the other room well within earshot of me right now, but my father. I, I'm up here in Queensland at the moment visiting my father, so I'm here for a week with him. But, but my father was able to give me a lot of those coaching principles as well, and I have no clue where he got them from. 
Um, all the Tony Robbins, Dad. Dad, you listen to Tony Robbins? Yeah, he doesn't like Tony Robbins. Don't lie. Yeah, he likes Tony Robbins. I th he got me. I remember. I remember as a kid picking up this book on the bookshelf that Dad had bought called Unlimited Pro uh, Unlimited Power, and um, that that was unreal. That was a game changer for me. In terms of marketing online, Frank Kern. There's this one, this one way that Frank Kern breaks down his sales pitch that is just genius. And artists should pick this up and adopt it. You could format a newsletter, a sales pitch to a client, um, you know, even a Facebook post. It's so simple. It's three steps. When you say, say you have a print that's for sale and you're about to launch it online, maybe you want to call a client or maybe you want to have an artist in residency or whatever, whatever it is. You say the three following things. Here's what I got. That's number one. Here's what I got. And you, you clearly list what it is you know, that, that, that you have and, and a little bit about the, the product here. Not, not a huge thing, but here's what I got. And the second part is here's what it's going to do for you. That step is crucial because so many of us, you know, with our paintings and our, you know, we, we are paintings under our arms, we'll shuffle to a, to a door, we'll knock on the door and we'll be like, hey, you wouldn't want any of these, would you? You know, we, we don't sell it enough. And, and I think that we need to really, in that, in that point, communicate our product in terms of other people's values. Now, that is not to be a sleazebag about selling your work. But if your client has an interest you need to link that interest to whatever it is that you're doing. So I mentioned before, if somebody said, hey, you know, Bob, you were interested in a Bungle Bungle paintings, a painting. I, I've just finished a painting of the Bungle Bungle. Now, if anybody's wondering what the hell is the Bungle Bungles, Google Bungle Bungles, Kimberly. You'll see what it's all about. It's a phenomenal geological formation. Incredible subject for painting. But, you know, I, I, could, I could call him and say, hey, I've got this thing. So I'm communicating in terms of, of what's already important to him. So here's what I got. Then here's what it's going to do for you. You know, beautiful painting. You're interested in this type of thing. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, this will go really well. I've seen that wall. It's empty. It's above your mantelpiece. I framed it in such a way that it matches the drapes or whatever. You know, talk to them about it in a way that, it's, that it would make sense to them. And then here, the third aspect of this is here's what I want you to do next. There has to be a call to action there. There has to be some direction to the client to the student, to whoever you're trying to reach out to, tell them what you want them to do. You know, ask for the sale. Direct them. Say, I want your email address. Subscribe to my blog. Sign up for this. And, and so that, again, it just clearly, here's what I got. Here's what it's going to do for you. Here's what I want you to do next. I got that directly from Frank Kern, genius internet marketer, and that's something that he was talking about in terms of in internet marketing that I adapted and, and put directly into my art business. Nice. Well, Andrew, this has been really fantastic. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk and chat and share your resources and your experience. This has uh, been an epic interview. My, my pleasure, Corey. We didn't even scratch the surface, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll, maybe we'll have to have you back in the near future. Would love that. Would love that. Thanks so much for the opportunity, Corey. It's, it's been a blast. Yeah, absolutely. Andrew, if anybody wanted to follow up with you, how would they get in contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. 
andrewtischler.com. That last name is spelled T-I-S-C-H-L-E-R. And if you're an artist and you want to work out how to improve the quality of your paintings, uh, we didn't really get into quality here, but I'm about giving you the technical information. If you have questions about composition, color theory, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to give it to you for free. So subscribe to the Workshop Weekly. would love to stay in touch with whoever's uh, listening. And, uh, yeah, thanks again, Corey. This has been, uh, been an absolute blast. Thank you so much. Awesome. We'll put up a link to your website and all the other resources you mentioned in the show notes. Thank, thank you so much, Corey. Thanks so much, and thanks for, for, for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Abundant Artist Podcast. If you did, please leave us a good review on iTunes. For the show notes and other resources from this episode, go to theabundantartist.com slash podcast 11.